We are back for a new episode of... Oh, hey there. Your co-host as usual, Leo Luna, Jason Aponte, NFL media credential. Guys, how did we get here? Um, feels weird to say sometimes, but here we are. Another episode of the Oh Hey There podcast. Um, we got some interesting stuff. You know, it's kind of the same old, same old two weeks out until we get training camp. So actual things to talk about rather than, you know, arm fitness. Uh, I don't even want to get into it at this point just because it's the most wild and bogus things I've seen. Um, I saw uh, Jason and Javi do a breakdown of it. That's definitely a great video you could check out on YouTube. Uh, But before we get more into it, let me ask my co-host how he's doing. I'm doing all right. I would be doing better if the Yankees didn't blow a lead in game three of the series in Boston and then blow a 6 nothing lead to Boston and then split with them. A sweep would have been much better, but yeah, I'm all right. Oh, wow. Poor you. The New York Yankees are, what, 12 games in front of first place? Like, it's the most 14. ridiculous thing. Yeah, it's, oh, sorry, you're not 16 games in first place. My apologies. Who cares, man? Who I, cares? I mean, I'm, I'm the, just you, saying, New York how Yankees I was... are... Yeah, come on. Like, they, they're the only team in baseball with 60 wins? Come on. They are. They are. I know you – yeah, you could look at that game and be like, man, I, I wish they would have won. Um, but the fact that they're the only team in baseball doing what they're doing, it's kind of like looking back on the 49ers and saying, ugh, I wish they would have freaking beat the Indianapolis Colts in that freaking monsoon. That that I think you were there, right? With, or were you not I there? didn't go to that game. Thank God. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm terrible. Smart. I'm terrible with those type of element games. Like I'm going to be complaining the entire time. We're going to be watching the game. It would have just been a waste. So I'm so glad I didn't. Yeah. But so it's like us, uh, since we're all 49er fans here, it's like saying, <sighs> you know, 49ers are in the NFC championship games. Like, Hey, Jason, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. But uh, I would have been doing better if the 49ers beat the Colts on Sunday night football. Um, so that's what I'm thinking about when, when you're talking about the New York Yankees, uh, how many all-stars do you guys have? Six, actually, two starters, and I'm very proud of that, actually. Okay, so my San Francisco Giants have one all-star this year, and uh, he doesn't even start every day on the team for the Giants, and he's an all-star starter for the National League, and that's Jock Peterson. Uh, crazy thing there, you know. I, I, I Moneyball is in full flow, um, and since we're talking Moneyball, and might as well talk Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Because there's a whole lot of money taxed to his name. And Jeremy Fowler this morning on ESPN, uh, to me, it's not breaking news, but it definitely became a trend on the Internet, especially if you're on 49ers Twitter, 49ers Instagram, 49ers Facebook, uh, just any type of social media outlet there is in regards to the 49ers. uh, Said the Seattle Seahawks uh, checked in and, and monitored the situation with Jimmy Garoppolo, had the internal discussions. Uh, So let's go ahead and cut to the tape of Jeremy Fowler. A few executives I spoke to believe the 49ers are a bit stuck here because they need Garoppolo to pass a physical coming off the shoulder surgery. They need to renegotiate his contract with that new team on that $24 million salary. And the pool of suitors right now seems to be pretty small. Now, a few things that are positive for San Fran. I'm told Garoppolo's recovery has remained on schedule. He should start throwing now or if he hasn't already. He'll do a ramp-up phase till he can eventually pass that physical. And you have Seattle that's still out there. They were sort of implicated in the Baker-Mayfield situation, didn't make that move. I'm told that internally they have discussed the possibility of Garoppolo playing for them. They've done their film work to see how he would fit. 
tricky certainly to do a trade inside the NFC West, but the 49ers and Seattle know they can maybe sort of wait this out because the 49ers have limited cap space right now, I think around $5 million. They want to re-sign Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel. To do that, they need some of Garoppolo's $24 million in base salary. Seattle probably knows that, which means maybe they won't try to make a trade. They'll just wait for 49ers to release him. This isn't rocket science here when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo and the internal discussions of the Seattle Seahawks. Remind me again, who are the two quarterbacks on their roster currently that's going to be battling to start week one? Drew Locke, who's catching strays from the U.S. Open account, and the legend Geno Smith, who's uh, DK Metcalf's favorite quarterback uh, that he's ever played with. Oh, geez. Oh, I, well, I, it's he, on tape. It's on tape. You know, it, it must be Russell Wilson's personality or something because, you know, a lot of guys get over that quite a bit. But, you know, besides the personal feelings aside, Geno Smith and Drew Locke, like, seriously, seriously. And the fact that it's like breaking the 40, or excuse me, the Seattle Seahawks had internal discussions about Jimmy Garoppolo. No shit, Sherlock. Obviously, they had those internal discussions. Who, like the 49ers had internal discussions about Sam Darnold last year. They had internal discussions of Teddy Bridgewater last year. Just because you have these discussions doesn't mean that they happen for one. And it doesn't mean uh, give you a type of level of interest, whether it's like, oh, they had internal discussions and it's 10 on 10 out of 10, like, they are focused on making Jimmy Garoppolo the starter for the Seattle Seahawks. No, like that was not the discussion. Um, it's kind of like, what what can we talk about that is not exhausted? Um, okay, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably something that's going to happen recently. Who needs a quarterback? Um, Seattle Seahawks. Okay, let me check in with the source and see like if his name's even been thrown on the wall. Uh, yeah, it's been thrown on the wall, but to me it's like, his name probably got thrown on the wall like a spaghetti, but yet the spaghetti fell off the wall. Like it's not a conversation that's going to stick. And what I want to ask you is like, what's the play here? Like why say something like this? Um, I I just feel like there's a little something else behind it um, in order to have this conversation. Or is it just much about nothing? Honestly, I, I think that it's very matter of fact. Jeremy Fowler is not breaking any news or anything like that, as Leo said. But my question would go to the it would go to the Seattle Seahawks. You're the Seattle Seahawks. You're clearly tanking for one of the good quarterbacks coming out of this draft, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, whoever it is. Jimmy Garoppolo is not pushing you into making the playoffs, but Jimmy Garoppolo will push you out of getting one of those guys. What's the play here? Why? Why Seattle, in my opinion? Right? Here's the thing. Anywhere that Jimmy Garoppolo goes, it would have to be a borderline playoff team or a team that has playoff aspirations. Seattle, Seattle's roster is not that, and Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't make them that. On top of it being either just completely trying to get every single inside knowledge inside track that they can of the 49ers it just wrecks the idea of what they're trying to do jimmy garoppolo is not good enough to put you in the playoffs but jimmy garoppolo is good enough to push you out of getting one of these quarterbacks if he plays an entire season now here's the thing would you be worried if jimmy garoppolo goes over there and 
a similar question was posed to you about DJ Reed, right? And, you know, we had an answer about that. That's a, a joke between us. But to put myself in a similar situation, I'll say this. Last year at training camp, Jimmy Garoppolo was facing the 49ers defense. He threw many interceptions. Still can't see the underneath linebacker. The underneath linebacker is still John Cena to Jimmy Garoppolo. So Fred Warner, whoever's there, would have their, their way in that way. But then Kyle Shanahan is not calling plays for you over there in Seattle either. So you're not getting good plays being called because it's Pete Carroll and that offense. The offensive line is substantially worse. And the defense knows you. No disrespect to Jimmy Garoppolo, but if the Seattle Seahawks actually do explore this option and have a pick on the table, we've seen we've seen this happen before. Donovan McNabb got traded from the Eagles to the Washington football team, and Bill Belichick traded Drew Bledsoe from the Patriots to the Buffalo Bills. So it's not completely out of this world to trade within your division. I'm just not nearly as worried as other people are in terms of what the consequences could be. And I don't understand what Seattle could possibly be thinking getting Jimmy Garoppolo other than trying to get some inside information from him. When you say the end game seems like it may be just more logical to go out with the guy like Geno Smith, go out with the guy like Drew Locke. And if you don't win, uh, the penalty is CJ Stroud. Like, I don't want that for the Seahawks. So if I'm going to have to say, would I not mind Jimmy Garoppolo on the Seahawks? No, I would not mind it. Because if he's on the Seahawks, they're probably out of getting Bryce Young. They're probably out of getting C.J. Stroud during the draft. And that's something I am 1,000% okay with. But I'm going to go on my full Brian Windhorse here. Why would the Jazz do that? I'm going to go, well, why would Jeremy Fowler say that? And this is where I'm going to connect it to. Seems like there's one place where Jimmy Garoppolo has a realistic potential to start. And I think it's the Cleveland Browns. I honestly do believe there is going to be some type of ramifications with Deshaun Watson being the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. As politics aside, I believe there should be ramifications with him being the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Now, it seems like Don Yee has done a great job at protecting Jimmy Garoppolo's future. Remember New England? The whole discussion, Danny Amendola, Martellus Bennett, and then 2020. Did we forget that George Kittle came back and Jimmy Garoppolo didn't? in the year they weren't making the playoffs? Did we forget that part? I don't think we did. So he's done a great job in protecting Jimmy Garoppolo in that way to where he goes to Cleveland with that roster. It is much more similar to the 49ers roster than it is the Seattle Seahawks. And it's not a place that he goes there long-term. It's a one-year deal thing to where if he could go to Cleveland, Put together a playoff run, maybe a few playoff wins because he did it here with the 49ers, clearly. What is it, a 4-2 and two record in the playoffs? Despite the numbers, despite what the numbers tell you, he, even though he's Ryan Leaf in the playoffs, still 4-2 and two winning percentage. Um, Well, record, not percentage. That's a place he can go and win 
and be the Jimmy Garoppolo we know who he is. So on my full Brian Windhorse scale. A very strange trade. Why would Fowler say that about Seattle? Maybe the 49ers are, have that last bit of hope for a trade. Maybe there's something that happens with the Watson case. That's my thought. My thought is it has nothing to do with the Seahawks. My thought is some, maybe someone from the 49ers said, hey, go say this. Go say Seattle had, had these discussions because I believe it's something that Seattle can't deny, at least within the next 48 hours. Here's the thing, and here's the pushback that I'm going to have on this with the Cleveland Browns take because I've seen that happen a lot, and this is why I feel that Jimmy has no real trade market once the Carolina table was taken off, when the deal was off the table with Carolina. The rumblings are that Deshaun Watson is not getting an indefinite suspension. He's going to get something in the 8 to 10 game range, which will be appealed down to 6. And the Cleveland Browns completely insulated themselves by bringing in Jacoby Brissett. Here's another reason. Deshaun Watson, if he gets suspended, yeah, you know, that money, whatever, it doesn't go towards the cap. But the Cleveland Browns converted much of that money to bonuses for this year. So they're paying Deshaun Watson. They're just not paying him against the cap. That is still cash coming out. They're paying $10.5 million for Baker Mayfield to play in Carolina. They're paying Jacoby Brissett to be there as well. The only way that I would see Jimmy Garoppolo being in Cleveland is if Deshaun Watson is gone for an indefinite time. And it doesn't sound like that's what's going to happen. It sounds like what everybody is talking about is it's going to be a 10-game suspension somewhere six to eight. And look, I don't agree with that. I think that there needs to be much harsher ramifications. But it sounds like the league has settled with him under the guise of time served, air quotes, time served because of last year, which is completely ridiculous because what he did last year was sit out and collect every single dollar of his contract. So the idea of time served is completely ridiculous. He's probably going to have to give some of that money back either to Houston or to the league but it's not going to be that long. And if it's going to be an eight-game suspension, six-game suspension, the Browns are going to roll with Jacoby Brissett. I don't think there's any way that Jimmy Garoppolo can be traded at this point. That's my Brian Winhurst uh, take on this one. And also, I hate to say it, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Jacoby Brissett, but the Cleveland Browns are going to run the ball 45 times a game and play defense. Jacoby Brissett can manage that just fine. So if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, and you're over there for a few games, you're not exactly going to change the trajectory of that team, especially if Deshaun Watson is going to come right in and lift that offense up because of his, you know, his skill set. So I don't know, man. I, it, this uh, As that Carolina trade happened, it kind of, the sound you heard was poof. And that was Jimmy's trade destinations. They're all gone. They're all gone. Unless Seattle, unless the Seattle deal comes to fruition. It's hard for me to buy any stock into the into the Seattle landing spot to where I understand the situation with Cleveland when it comes to the money, when it comes to, you know, like what what is there with the, you know, with the trade, like how much are the 49ers going to have to eat and what are they even getting in return? Um, because it's not a Baker Mayfield situation to where. Cleveland decided to eat that amount of money for a fifth round pick, conditional fifth round pick. It's because Baker was on a guaranteed contract. Jimmy Garoppolo's not. So if Cleveland goes, okay, we'll give you a four a, 
or we'll give you a conditional third, just eat 10 million. Is that 10 million worth that third round pick? That that's the question that is going to come down to. And if I'm running a team, I may say, no, that's a lot of freaking money for a third rounder. Hell no. You're also clearing the rest of uh, Jimmy's cap. You're also putting Trey in a spot where it's his team. I could see a way of that happening, but wouldn't you just rather release him at that point though? I mean, I would, but that doesn't mean that Colin John will. And that's the issue. It doesn't matter what I I mean to feel like they won. Like, ha, told you guys we were going to trade him that we weren't going to cut him. Right. And also to say, well, we don't just cut good quarterbacks. There's that quote that's floating out there. I I really do think that they're just going to be bullheaded when it comes to that. If I was Colin John, I wouldn't have said anything like that. And once all his trade options went up in smoke, have him pass a physical and good luck, Jimmy, go find your new place and go catch on somewhere else. That's it. That's what I would do. Doesn't mean that that's what will happen. And honestly, don't want to be the, the wet blanket in the room. I don't think they're going to do it either. I don't think they're going to do it. They are too bullheaded. They can foot the bill, whatever crappy cliche they've given out this entire offseason, whatever it is that you want to say. John Lynch has said it. Jed York has said it. Kyle Shanahan has said it. I don't think they're going to do that, even though that should be the obvious discussion and the obvious move at this point. Well, I'll just end it on this, Jay. I don't even know who's going to be alive on Sunday. We've talked about quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's talk about the future. Trey Lance. And I want to ask you this question. It has nothing to do with play style. Is Trey Lance, I'm going to call this the spicy Aponte segment because I feel Mm -hmm. like I know where this is going. Mm -hmm. This is, I feel like this is when I go to a Thai restaurant and they say, how do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want it a one? Do you want it a three, four, five, ten? I feel like this conversation may be at an eight. Is Trey Lance closer to Lamar Jackson than he is Josh Allen? Because everybody talks about Josh Allen when they talk about Trey Lance. But he's closer to Lamar Jackson in this way. You reposted this from GetUp on your Twitter. And what it is is like Lamar Jackson is a former MVP, right? Former first-round pick, right? Former Unanimous MVP. Heisman Trophy winner, right? Well, get this. You retweeted this on your Twitter from GetUp. Top... 2022 quarterbacks, according to leaks, executives, coaches, scouts, and players. One, Aaron Rodgers. Two, Patrick Mahomes. Three, Josh Allen. Four, Tom Brady. Five, Joe Burrow. Six, Matthew Stafford. Seven, Justin Herbert. Eight, Russell Wilson. Nine, Deshaun Watson. And ten, Dak Prescott. Nowhere in that top ten is a Lamar Jackson. And I say, is he closer to Lamar Jackson than Josh Allen? Because you see Josh Allen every time everyone talks about him. He's either QB1, QB2, QB3. And yet Trey Lance is not even QB1, QB2, QB3 in his rookie draft class. Like how many how many talks about the deficiencies in, in Matthew Stafford's game? Yes, won a Super Bowl. Yes, he balled the hell out. But there was about like four or five solid week stretch there where the guy looked ugly. This this past year, um, like even against Baltimore, it looked like he tried to give the way a win 
to the Ravens, but yet Lamar Jackson didn't play that game or else the Ravens, I absolutely believe, would have won. Um, so n- despite what Trey Lance does this season, is he closer to wh- how the media talks about Lamar Jackson than they do Josh Allen, even though we link him towards Josh Allen? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I can't remember a, a quarterback as in Trey Lance that has been disrespected with no sort of game tape or anything like that, or his story's written, it's done for in many people's eyes, right? After two games and and 10 quarters of football, his story's written in many people's eyes. Never seen anything like that. But Trevor Lawrence, he's getting a new coach. So watch out this year. Justin Fields, he was with Nagy, unfortunately. So he's going to be all right. Zach Wilson, who had the lowest completion percentage of any qualified quarterback last year, he's going to be great. He'll be all right. Hey, look at that. But Trey Lance, he's done. Let me tell you something else. This list is bogus. And I don't mean to pick on Dak Prescott because I believe that Dak Prescott's a very good quarterback and a lot better than people give him credit for. Lamar Jackson is a unanimous MVP and defensive coordinators lay awake at night trying to figure out how you're going to stop Lamar Jackson. They don't lie awake at night worrying about Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, anybody at the end of this list. People don't know how to stop this young man. And because he doesn't particularly win in the way that you want from the pocket, he doesn't throw the ball. Shut up. Shut up. And for the QB wins crowd, let me tell you this. There's QB wins and there's QB wins. There's QB wins where a guy is at the back of the bus and there's QB wins where the guy's driving the bus. And Lamar Jackson drives the bus on every single game that the Ravens win. It is proven. Proof proof is in the pudding. Joe Flacco goes out. Lamar Jackson steps in. Guess what? You start immediately winning. One full year in the league, unanimous MVP. But yet, he can't be on this list. Okay, he got injured. So then I would ask you this. Deshaun Watson hasn't touched a football in two years. But you know he's going to be good again like that? I'm sure he is. And why wouldn't you think that? But this is bogus. And in terms of disrespect, Trey Lance is being disrespected when there's not much evidence to convince people either way. And that's true. Whether you think Trey Lance is going to be good like I do, whether you think Trey Lance is going to be bad like many other people do, there's no evidence pushing you one way or the other. But Lamar Jackson has so much game film and so much behind him. And it's not just one year of him being dynamic, unstoppable, and an absolute headache to defensive coordinators. And yet, it is still the disrespect. So in that way, they're both disrespected. One more thing. <sighs> Bill Polian and many others wanted Lamar Jackson to change his position. Can't play quarterback. He's got to play wide receiver. He's got to play cornerback. That's what many of those people in the front office believe. And when Bill Polian said that, he's not speaking from something that somebody told him. He is speaking with the same sort of perspective that many of these front offices have of Lamar Jackson, that archaic way of evaluating quarterbacks. Does he win from the pocket? Does he not look to scramble? How, like it's, dude, it is so frustrating to understand that there are people who are, have been in this game longer than I've been watching it. And yet here you are still not using new information to change the way that you evaluate. And I'll end it on this, Leo. The same people that are talking down on Lamar were the same people asking him to change positions at the combine. And the same people that 
either want Trey Lance to fail or just are calling him a bust are the people that, in my opinion, want to be right, but not get it correct. And that's the problem. You can have a you can have a position and say, hey, I don't think this kid is going to translate to the league. But after there's two and three years of him dominating, you have to tell yourself, I messed up. Here's where I got it wrong. So there's a lot of people out there that want to be right, but not get it correct. And Lamar Jackson, I know this isn't a 40, uh, this isn't a Ravens podcast, but I don't ever think that I can remember a quarterback who has done so much in the league that continuously gets disrespected. And I can't remember a quarterback that has never put a season on film that gets disrespected. So in that way, Trey Lance and Lamar Jackson, Spider-Man pointing me, in my opinion. And having this discussion is, I want to prepare you for the future. Because I don't think it's going to stop. I don't think this Trey Lance slander is going to stop until he is, say, a Josh Allen in side by side comparison, which well, I don't think I don't think it I don't think he has to be to be a top three quarterback. I don't think he has to be. And no. go ahead. The thing is, Leo, is to bring this back to Trey Lance, the preconceived notions that people have. Again, it's about being right about Trey Lance and not getting it right. So what they'll do is Trey has a two or three game stretch where maybe he struggles. And, and sure, it's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. They'll focus on that. But if he has a seven-week stretch of him playing very well, they'll just leave that out. And for me, the Trey Lance thing is, what has this kid done to so many people that has them outward, like just calling him a bust, like straight up just a bust? He can't, he'll never improve, can't play, never can improve because people want to be right and not get it correct. And that's the part that's so weird. And then what you're talking about with Josh Speak Allen, on it. Speak on it. Where where were people wrong on Trey Lance? They Everyone and they mama in the media, national media, said it was going to be Mac Jones. Yeah. That's where they were incorrect, and that's where they want to make it correct by saying Trey Lance ain't the guy. Go ahead. And the other thing is, is so many other things that everybody knows about Trey all of a sudden now are coming up. Well, I don't know if he's grasping the playbook I've heard literally the smartest kid out of the entire group. Uh, well, I don't know if he can, he can master the scheme. NDSU runs the same things basically with, uh, with run concepts and he did his own line checks. It's just, when you talk about what Trey Lance has to be, and this is the part that a lot of people miss. People say, well, Trey Lance has to be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or, or this guy or this guy. He just has to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And not even by a lot. If he is by a lot, then my goodness, what are we looking at here as 49ers fans? But if he's a 5%, 10%, 15% increase to Jimmy Garoppolo, this team's going to win a Super Bowl with this loaded roster, with the coaching. And everybody continues to give all those other guys passes. And I love Justin Fields. Don't you know, you know that don't get it twisted. I love Justin Fields. I feel he went to a terrible, a terrible situation, but he didn't play well last year. Zach Wilson didn't play well last year. Trevor Lawrence looked awful last year, but yet 
Zach will be all right. It's going to be his second year. Well, Trevor's going to be fine. Doug Peterson's there. Why do you continuously look at other quarterbacks from this draft class and see the poor play that they put on tape and still give them hope, yet two games and a half for Trey Lance, the book's written. Again, I've said it a few times. People are in a rush to be right, not to get it correct when it comes to Trey Lance. I've never seen anything like this disrespect. Didn't mean to get off on a Lamar Jackson tangent. The parallel I'm making here is the national media was wrong with Lamar Jackson saying he can't be a quarterback at the next level. He's going to have to switch positions. Yet, he's a multi-pro bowler and an MVP. Comes to, to Trey Lance. National media said that Mac Jones is the guy. Mac Jones fits Kyle Shanahan offense. Mac Jones is going to be the pick. They were wrong. Trey Lance was the guy. Trey Lance is the pick. And before he could take over this position full term, your QB one, Jimmy Garoppolo's not here anymore. Everyone is just saying he's not the guy. He's not that guy, pal. That's fine. You know, because control what you can control, Leo. I can't control what Trey Lance is going to do moving forward. I can't control whether a pitcher is going to throw a no hitter in the fifth inning um, or, you know, for a full game. And he's through five innings without one like Alex Wood. I, I almost said that someone has a no hitter on Twitter just so that people can realize I don't control the future. But do I have trust and belief in Trey Lance from everything I'm hearing? Yes, I do. You don't hear Matt Mayoko saying these things, right? You don't hear Matt Barrow saying these things, right? You don't hear David Lombardi saying these things about Trey Lance, right? No, they're not. And they're the three closest to the team, the three with the probably closest sources to the team that you can get from a, say, a front office level. So, you know what? Just keep it pushing, moving forward. And having this conversation, this dialogue, I want to prepare you for the future because whether Trey Lance goes out there and has a productive season this year and the 49ers have success, they don't want a Super Bowl. They're going to talk about him like they talk about Lamar Jackson. So hang on to this ride. It's not coming to a stop anytime soon. And before we get out of here, Jay, I want you to give me your elevator pitch on which returning starter must step up this season. Ah, must step up. Okay. Hmm, you kind of put me on the spot here with this one. It probably would be Brandon Ayuk, I'll say. Let's say that. Um, and Damn you. All right, sorry. but Damn you. And it's not that Brandon Ayuk needs to step up. There was a lot of weirdness going on last year. I'm not going back down that rabbit hole about who needs to run fast and practice and all that stuff. I, I'm not doing that again. And who was in the doghouse, who wasn't, who was injured, whatever. The thing is, is this offense becomes that much more explosive if the rapport that Ayuk and Lance have already because they work out a ton and you could see it when they actually played in games if that lifts itself up and you you can open up the underneath for Debo Samuel more George Kittle things like that see that's what's weird is people will look at a stat box and say well he's not doing anything yet early in the season when Brendan Ayuk was in the so-called doghouse they had him running clear out routes for who for Debo Samuel to run drift routes underneath you take a safety with you, you leave Debo up with uh, a one-on-one, Debo can whip him, and boom, the rest is history. So add that to it, you know, he's the deepest threat. He's the deep threat on this team, right? I mean, Danny Gray, yes, obviously was drafted, but, you know, 
He hasn't been practicing. He's been injured. Let's see what happens in camp. But Brandon Ayuk is going to be the consistent deep threat on the field the most. So for me, this offense goes to a whole other level. If Brandon Ayuk and that rapport pops up and he can create that attention, which will open things up for George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and make life easier for Trey Lance underneath if he's drawing attention in that way. Sorry, Leo. No, that's fine. I'll just piggyback off of what you said. That was actually my choice as well. And, you know, the reason why I'm saying Brandon Ayuk is you you mentioned that you weren't going to talk about the stats. I'll just, you know, I, I won't get into details on it, but I'll, I'll just say this. Michael Pittman Jr., Donnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, T. Higgins, all guys were drafted after Brandon Ayuk's selection, 25th overall in the 2020 draft. And I'll the reason why I'm going to say Brandon Ayuk needs to step up is because of the notion of Trey Lance now taking over the quarterback position. Do you remember on Instagram his story when he posted deep ball me, things like that? He He's basically advertising himself as a deep threat. Hence, you know, Trey Lance, you're obviously going to figure that you're going to have more opportunities with those deep ball threats. Um, year three, as a wide receiver, we saw what Debo Samuel took. He's that guy from his draft class. Him, DK Metcalf, uh, AJ Brown. Like, he's he's with those guys, Debo Samuel. As a biased 49ers fan, I'm going to give him a notch over those guys because I think Debo's the best at what he does as a wide receiver and playmaker. When you look at Brandon Ayuk's draft class, you know, me, I got Justin Jefferson. I got, I got CJ Lamb, or excuse me, CD Lamb right under him on tier scales. And then a tier below them, I got Brandon Ayuk. So you see how I said Debo Samuel from his draft class, he's that guy. He's tier one. He's in tier one. Whether you want to put him with A.J. Brown, that's fine. He's tier one. With me, based off production, based off of, you know, uh, relationship levels, seems like Brandon Ayuk is tier three within his draft class. But I do believe he could get to that tier two. Mate, tier one is kind of just like out of the stretch for me. I fucking, excuse me, I love Justin Jefferson. Like, that's the guy I wanted at 25. Um, well, I guess they weren't up there yet. They had because Jefferson was already selected, but it's, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. What happens with Brandon Ayuk this year, a lot of the advertising, a lot of, you know, personal growth that looks like it's there mentally with Brandon Ayuk. We saw him turn it on at the end of the season. Um, but if you're, if you're out there saying deep ball me, you know, you, you're out there on Instagram stories saying you and Debo are the best, you know, one and two combo in the NFC West. That is you and Debo. All right, let me see it. Let me see it because at the end of the day, I don't know. Is it you and Debo or is it or is it Lockett and DK? Is it you and Debo or is it Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup? I don't know. Prove me wrong, Brandon. Like, I don't, we don't have to go, you know, most receiving yards, most receptions because we all know that's, that comes, you know, based off uh, opportunity. We'll just talk about, you know, play style, fit within the offense. Did you come up with that 50-50 ball with two minutes left in the game? We could go off of those things, but just show me. There's, an, there's, another, there's another level for IU to unlock, and I think a lot of that has to do with rapport and, and the quarterback and things like that, and, and that's what has me excited about his season this year what he's able to do. I think he learned a lot 
whether you want to say it was good or bad. I mean, I think he came out of the the doghouse, whatever it is, so so called. I think he he learned a little bit more about being a professional. Kyle's excited for him, and he's working with Trey Lance. And I think that yeah, that that this is there is one more one more notch that he can go up to. And uh, as far as the, you know, Justin Jefferson and those guys. I think that he has a chance to get into that tier. It's just that Justin Jefferson has been doing some, he's doing something right now that nobody in this game has ever done in terms of the first two years receiving. And he looks to be on the preface of another year like that with the offense going more past heavy with Kevin O'Connell coming over from the Rams. So um, I wouldn't say that I expect him to take, you know, a leap to Justin Jefferson because Justin Jefferson is so good, um, but he could be in that discussion. I mean, I think that that group Higgins, CD, Justin, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, unfortunately, Henry Ruggs was in there and that was somebody that I thought was going to be very good. But I think that he can be mentioned with those guys while saying that, yeah, you know what, maybe there's another guy better than him here or, you know, and that just means that this group will be discussed for a long time. Brandon, are you a part of that? This is why I mentioned Brandon Ayuk's name is not that I, you know, why I, I said prove me wrong. Like, you know, he doesn't have to prove me nothing at the end of the day. His final 10 games of the season. He averaged 68.5 receiving yards a game. You do that on a 17-game average. He was just under 1,200 receiving yards on a 17-game average. So he can do it. How much of that opportunity came because Debo became a running back? We'll see. But I have full confidence in Brandon Ayuk. But what I'm alluding to is, Jason said, there's there's another level that we haven't seen from Brandon Ayuk. And I want to see it year three in a 49ers uniform, not year five somewhere else. So let's go ahead and do it. Um, if you have not yet, follow Jason on Twitter, Jason Aponte2103. You can follow myself at LeoLuna93. Um, go Niners.